a new, cheaper, and safer form of nuclear power? We'll tell you about it next on Into Tomorrow. This Into Tomorrow podcast is hosted by our partner, Blueberry Podcasting. We couldn't be happier with their service. You can get 30 days of podcast hosting free by simply visiting their website at blueberry.com. That's like a blueberry without the E's. So it's B-L-U-B-R-R-Y.com. Welcome Into Tomorrow with Dave Graveline, the interactive program with the latest in high-tech products and services and the experts who bring them to you. This is Into Tomorrow. Here's Dave Graveline. We hope always entertaining and informative. Oh, and always free, of course. You're tuned Into Tomorrow for the weekend of May 12th, 2023. Mom's Day weekend, right? Yes. So happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. You say that with like malice. No, I don't. Well, including the moms that are no longer with us. I don't know if you were saying, you know, happy Mother's Day to the mothers or happy Mother's Day to the mothers. You know, like. Well, because (laughs) we as fathers get our chance next month. Yeah. Yeah. Save the best for last. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, good. (laughs) Which is mixed in with dads and grads and everything else. So. Dads get leftovers, I think. But hey, take care of mom. And if she's not still around, then think of mom. There you go. Like I have to do. But anyway. Um, Did I mention it's our 28th year on the air covering consumer tech? You did not. I did not. Um, Did I mention that we're born on the radio and raised by technology? You did not. Ah, Well, I have at some point in the last 28 years, but not necessarily just now. But I just did. You just did. All right. Did you mention the three things as we come to you from the Dexcom G7 studios that we'd like to remind folks about, including always know where your glucose is headed and how fast? Be sure to visit Dexcom.com and you'll see what I mean. I always know where my glucose is headed. Yeah. And usually it's headed in the wrong direction. Yeah, I know. Mine too. (laughs) It's usually headed up and that's not good. But the three things that we like to remind everybody, uh, the first would be important, important your backup data. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> backup your important data. Well, how do you know if it's important? Because <laughs> if it's important enough to be backed up, it's important. Okay, <laughs> we'll go with that. Number one. Um, number two is uh, subscribe to these podcasts if you haven't already. Well, what if they're already listening to the podcast because they do subscribe? Well, then you can ignore that part. And tell your friends to subscribe. All right. Well, that could be 2A then, I guess. Like and follow. Oh, geez. (laughs) Isn't that what the kids say these days? If only we were kids, yeah. Yeah. And Uh, and check your spam filters. Now, why on earth would we want to check our spam filters? Because you might have that long-lost email from your Aunt Mary or something. (laughs) Or from the Into Tomorrow Prize team, if you've recently participated on the show. Oh, because when you participate, you automatically win. I mean, it's not you might win. You do. If you hear yourself on the show, you win stuff. Our prize team just spent a lot more of our money this week sending more prizes out. Yeah, I saw that uh, bill (laughs) and went, whoa, what are we sending, boat anchors? A lot of heavy stuff going out lately. (laughs) We can't afford that. FedEx is liking us. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so is the U.S. Postal Service. Yeah. So hopefully people are getting their stuff. But that's the whole idea. You call in, you win stuff. It's really easy. Oh, did you hear that uh, Google had a big event this past week? They did. And presumably, among other things, they announced the 
Pixel Fold. Yeah, which of course didn't come as a big surprise. I mean, it was expected and it was sort of officially leaked, I guess. Well, we talked about Google it on the show and, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. That Samsung's got to run for their money is not the only company with a foldable phone now. Yeah. But they don't come as much of a surprise, as you said. Google showed it off a bit on Twitter before their I.O. conference started. Uh, it's a book-like folding phone that packs a spacious, they say, 5.8-inch display on the outside. That's pretty big. Yeah. Plus a 7.6-inch screen that appears when you open the phone. Yeah, it offers a, a trio of rear cameras, a pair of batteries that should help the fold last for more than a day on a single charge. That's kind of neat. Now, yeah. what shouldn't help it last is its price. Yeah. because If money's no object, well... Yeah, I'm, I'll run out and get two of these. Sure yeah. you will. Mm-hmm. At uh, $1,800. Okay, we'll just leave it there. Wow. <laughs> I mean, how do they... And what is the, uh, the the Samsung Fold going for now? I Probably not $1,800. No, no. It's maybe $1,600, $1,700. It's, it's getting yeah. close. But at some point, they've got to really compete and come down. I was hoping the Google Pixel would be less than Samsung, and I would consider it. But more... Then Samsung, yeah, it's a bigger screen and so forth, and more book-like, if you will, but I don't know. They also announced a Pixel 7a. What's that about? This one, uh, like the Pixel 6a, it has the 6.1-inch screen versus the 6.4 on the Pixel 7. Um, Its new chip does enable features like face unblur and super-res zoom. How do you unblur a face? I mean, if Google figured out how. If you take a picture and it's blurry... I guess using AI. That was their conference was big on AI. Oh, yeah. Everything was AI at this conference. Well, everything these days seems to be AI. Yeah. As we speak, I'm going for an AI full body scan in a couple of days, which we've never done anything like that before. But it's something we want to share with our audience to find out what that's all about. So you want to stay tuned. We'll have that for you in the next week or two. And it should be interesting. Yeah. You know, do you want to know what other diseases you don't know you have that you might soon have or problems or otherwise? I'm curious. Mm-hmm. And we're going to find out because they're going to actually put me through this in, this full body scan in an MRI machine for an hour. Better you than me. Yeah. Somebody said to me the other day, do, do you get to read a book or something? No, because they, they're doing head to toe. And I just got to lay still for an hour, apparently. Hope you ain't claustrophobic. Yeah. I'm not usually, but I have a feeling I'm talking myself into it (laughs) that I I will be. Uh, But they also introduced, they being Google, uh, speaking of AI amongst other things. Oh, what's the 7A going to go on sale Uh, for, though? About $100 less than the Pixel 7 at $499. Oh, okay. So maybe that's realistic. Spend $500 on a new phone. Less than an iPhone. Yeah, that's true. And not to be outdone, they also introduced a tablet. Yes, it's got an 11-inch display and included charging speaker dock combined with its support for Google Assistant Smart Assistant. And it enables a hub mode when it's magnetically placed on the dock, which basically transforms it into a Nest Hub smart home display. Really? Yeah. Well, that's different. And, of course, one would expect Google to do that since yeah. they own Nest and they do this whole Google Home thing. Yeah. I understand 128 gigabyte version is $499, and the 256 version is going to sell for $599. Available to pre-order now, but not going to get it until June 20th. Yeah. 
Or shortly thereafter. Yeah. And one thing I'm sure you like, Google Maps, they announced some other yes, interesting some, things. Some updates to that, including immersive view for routes feature that's in Select City. So this new feature brings all the information that a user might need into one place, including traffic simulations, bike lanes, complex intersections, parking information, and more. Really? Yeah. Immersive view. Yeah. Well, we're going to be curious to see what that means. And yeah. we'll talk about some of the other things that were announced at Google I.O. Meantime, with all the energy debates and issues, I've often wondered why we don't do more with nuclear power. And, of course, I can hear folks listening, screaming at their radio or their their podcast player or computer, whatever the case, their phone, saying, because it's unsafe or something could happen. And Yeah, like clean power? Well, anyway, Westinghouse, a U.S. tech company, of course, has announced the launch of the AP300. It's a smaller version of its flagship AP1000 nuclear reactor. In an effort to extend access to nuclear power as demand for clean energy rises, the AP300 nuclear reactor is scheduled to be operational in 2027 and will provide roughly one third of the power of the flagship AP1000 reactor. That, according to an official press release that we got from Westinghouse. The AP300 is the only small modular reactor offering available that is based on deployed, operating, and advanced reactor technology. So said the president and CEO of Westinghouse. Mm. I'm wondering what our audience thinks about that. Smaller, safer nuclear power plants for your community. Do you want one? I do. So are they going to be like you know 5G towers where you have like a little micro nuclear power plant on every corner? I don't think it's that micro. No. It's about a third the size of their regular flagship nuclear reactor. So it's still going to be large and need to be in a building. And I don't think it needs smokestacks. Maybe it does, but they're going to be much smaller. So I don't know. I think it's curious. I'm curious about it. That's why I want to know from our audience. Do you want one of these smaller, allegedly safer nuclear power plants in your community? Again, I would. Why the heck not? Let us know what you think at 800-899-INTO anytime, 24-7, or even gooder. Yeah, I said gooder. Use the free Into Tomorrow app. All the details at intotomorrow.com. In today's connected world, high-speed internet is a necessity. Luckily, where you live no longer means missing out on a fast connection. Do what we did and get HughesNet, America's number one choice for satellite internet. HughesNet Gen 5 delivers the speed you need where you live. Own a business? HughesNet has plans for you, too. Text RADIO to 35000 for offers in your area. That's RADIO to 35000. HughesNet, high-speed satellite internet available where you live and work. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're headed. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit www.dexcom.com slash compatibility. You're listening to Into Tomorrow. I'm Cameron Graveline, reminding you to participate by letting us hear you on the show and win prizes. Call 800-899-INTO. Use a free Into Tomorrow app or click the Ask Dave microphone at intotomorrow.com. 
Now, back to the guys. And that would be us. Well, you know, his favorite line anyway, of course. Hey, everyone. Cameron Graveline here. Remember, call in, win stuff. Thank you. And it makes Mm -hmm. sense. People, when they call in frequently, are saying, from what I've gathered, um, I'm calling in to win stuff. Here's my question or comment or help for another listener. And it's very easy to get those comments and questions and help for other listeners to us. Oh, how easy is it? You could uh, dial our phone number, our Ask Dave hotline, 800-899-IN2. People still dial? Some people do. Yeah, one of these old Rotary dial. dial. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Or, um, or just or you can punch mash the, the digits. Yeah. Punch the digits, mash the buttons, whatever you want to call it, 800-899-INTO. Or you can use the uh, Into Tomorrow app. There's a message to studio button. It'll make it sound like you're uh, sitting here right next to us. Or on our lap, as you like to say. But I, I do like to say that because... Personal boundaries here. Well, but it, it's it's uh, we don't have to get HR involved. The point <laughs> is, it sounds like they're sitting on your lap. They're right here in the studio with us. Or you could stop by our site. There's an Ask Dave, uh, uh, Ask Dave microphone. Yeah, uh, I, I, t- I talk for a living. Yeah, an Ask Dave microphone. Uh, you can click on that, and as long as you have a browser and a microphone, which obviously you have a browser if you're at the site, <laughs> you can send. So us your what you're trying to say is on any device with a browser and a microphone. Yes, it's the so, cold medicine. If, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah you, you sound a little nasal, so yeah. don't be giving me a cold, no especially promises. as I go into this full body AI scan. But what you're trying to say is anything with a browser and a microphone, so tablet, a phone, a computer, desktop type thing, maybe a laptop, anything like that. There's yeah. a little Ask Dave microphone in red down in the lower right, usually, depending on your browser and device, and just mash that button. Yeah, maybe you can do it on your new Pixel Fold. You, if you don't have, have it if yet. If you have $1,800 to drop. <laughs> and if you do, send me one, yeah. won't you? <laughs> That would be awesome. This portion of Into Tomorrow is brought to you in part by Blueberry Podcasting. If you want to become a podcaster, Blueberry Podcasting makes it easy to publish, analyze, and grow your show. Visit blubrry.com. I shall. Do you ever find nutrition labels on food confusing? Yep. Well, here's some key info to cracking the label code with this week's Into Tomorrow wellness tip brought to you by Human Touch. Here's Victoria Ladock. Thanks, Dave. Food labels should help us make wise diet choices, but they can also be difficult to understand. The percent daily value shows how much of a nutrient in one serving of food contributes to our daily requirement for the nutrient. To best use this, remember these simple guidelines. 5% or less of a nutrient per serving is considered low. If you are trying to follow a heart-healthy diet, you might aim for this percentage amount for items like saturated fat, cholesterol, sodium, and added sugars. 20% or more of a nutrient per serving is high. Use this amount for nutrients you want more of, like calcium and vitamin D. For Into Tomorrow, I'm Victoria Ladock. Back to you, Dave. I did not know that. See, that's helpful to know. Usually, I just look for how many carbohydrates. Because that's what I have to deal with, with the insulin pump and all that kind of fun stuff. and But it's important to know those things. The Into Tomorrow wellness tip, as always, brought to you by Human Touch. Change the way you experience wellness. Find out how, and you'll see why we love them when you visit humantouch.com. I think I shall. Carl in West Dakota participated in West Dakota. Yeah. I, I know there's a north and a south. There's now a west, apparently. Which must mean there also must be an east. Oh, we, we should hear from someone then from East Dakota next yeah. time. Anyway, you use the Ask Dave button at intotomorrow.com. Hey, Carl. This is regard to Robert, who is looking for speech to text and 
wanted to use it on his PC, and you mentioned some things to him, but you didn't mention Google. And specifically, I looked at Google Docs. I'm pretty sure it's available on some of the other tools. But if he looks under tools and finds voice typing, he can easily do speech to text. If he's looking for the shortcut, it's Control-Shift-S. I just recently tested it, and it does an excellent job. Robert might want to read up on some of the tricks of dictating to a computer, like using period and new paragraph, etc. Well, thank you, Carl. We appreciate that. Listeners helping other listeners, some of our most favorite calls. And obviously, we fail to mention a lot of solutions sometimes, but we do that on purpose. There's only so many things that we can suggest. And that's why we count on our audience, which is incredibly smart. Exactly. To make some additional input. Make some? Yeah. Or provide additional input. Right. Whatever the case. Oh, many parents might not agree with this, but a new study published in the Journal of the American Medical Association, or JAMA, found that children who play video games for 21 hours a week performed better on cognitive skill tests that measured impulse control and working memory than did children who never played video games. Findings based on 2,217 children showed that gamers demonstrated more brain activity in regions associated with attention and memory than those who didn't play games at all. Well, it's just like surgeons, they say, are more successful when they grew up playing video games. That's true. So next time you go into surgery, you talk to your doctor, ask if they were a gamer. Yeah. And (laughs) if they say, no, I don't play games, and say, I need a second opinion. Yeah. Not on whether or not they play games, but on whether or not I need this surgery. Right. (laughs) That might be helpful. Jane in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, welcome into tomorrow. How come my email to the right side when I'm composing the email on the right side is ads popping up and how do I get rid of these ads do I have to have these ads appearing the email company I deal with uh, they making me have this it wasn't always like this when I first had the email it's just of late I don't want all these ads well Jane the ads were almost certainly placed there by the company providing your account. This is likely a free email account, and this is the way they've decided to monetize it so that they can make money for you not to have to pay for email. If that's all they're doing, they may be more benign than the company is selling your data, at least. But hosting email is not free. There are server costs and constant maintenance, not to just keep the server secure and patched up, but also to keep up with all the settings and checks that make emails deliverable so they don't end up in Google's or Microsoft's spam filters. That's why we always tell people, check your spam filters. Yeah, and all that work, of course, translates to man hours that need to be paid and servers that need to be kept running. If you want to get rid of ads, you can either install an ad blocker or switch to a different email provider. In particular, paid email accounts are much better about privacy and don't have ads, and you'll only be looking at a couple of dollars a month if you go with one of those. That's true. Like we have all of our email at our domain, which is graveline.com, which if you go to graveline.com, it'll bring you to intotomorrow.com. How clever. I I know. we're, We're clever. We also, of course, set up... Every which way we could misspell tomorrow, 
Because that's one of those words, if you're typing it out, oftentimes is, wait, two M's, two O's? Hold on, wait, two R's? Oh, my gosh. You know. So we did that on purpose. So misspell tomorrow. We figured we didn't have to worry about misspelling into too much. But who knows? Uh, it'll still get you to us, right? Uh, but our graveline.com domain for our email, we pay for. And that's why we don't have ads bombarding us on the right side, left side, up or down side, anything. It's just email. It's clean. And just, but you pay for it. Right. And just remember, if you're using you know, Gmail without ads, yeah, you know, it might be free, but you're paying for it by them reading your email to find little keywords so they can serve you ads in other places. Yeah. <laughs> like every time you search for anything else, you're going to get their ads. Or you go on Facebook or anything else, you're going to get ads for what you mentioned in an email. It's like, wow, that's, are they psychic? No. Mm -hmm. They just watch everything you do. Yeah. Just like talk talk about a product in front of Alexa, and you'll see you're going to start getting ads for mm -hmm. it. Do not be surprised. It's like, oh my gosh, I heard the guys on Into Tomorrow talking about that, and they're right. No such thing as privacy anymore, but do join us. We don't sell your data. Sign up for our free tech newsletter because we don't share it with anyone except you at intotomorrow.com. Stream Guys Streaming Media Services is proud to sponsor Into Tomorrow with Dave Graveline. Delivering audio and video to the web since 2000, Stream Guys is the affordable, reliable, and scalable choice for today's demanding media delivery needs. Stream to iPhones, mobile devices, and PCs all from the same platform. Stream in Windows Media, QuickTime, and the ubiquitous Flash using our full-featured, low-cost Wows of Flash servers. Increase your ROI with our subscription system and pre-roll ad services and turn your content into cash. Stream Guys, offering professional streaming media services for the smartest businesses on the internet. Learn more at www.streamguys.com. Sending voice messages instead of typing can save you a lot of time. But listening through those five or ten minute monologues from your friends is time consuming and often just not possible. Imagine being in a meeting, lecture, or any loud and crowded environment. Textify is an app for iPhone that converts those annoying voice messages into easily readable text at the touch of a button. Get Textify now from the App Store. Do you own a business? What do your customers hear when they call? Every business is unique, and Advanced Productions can help you create custom voicemail greetings or an on-hold production. Call us today at 888-899-8511. For over 40 years, we've been providing affordable audio and video services to businesses around the world. Let us create a custom holiday on-hold message for your business for less than $200. Call us today at 888-899-8511. Or visit onholdaudio.net. Welcome back into Tomorrow. I'm Dave Graveline. 27 years we've been covering the latest in consumer tech. All sorts of cool things, products and services, gadgets and gizmos, websites and apps, all sorts of things as they relate to technology. So we appreciate when you tune in. We appreciate even more when you call in and participate on the program. And you can do that any number of ways. The old-fashioned way still works. You can pick up a phone and dial 1-800-899-INTO. Toll-free from anywhere in North America, 800-899-4686. You can use the free Into Tomorrow app, available in your favorite app store, Android and iPhone, of course, and hit the Message to Studio button. Participate that way. Or a lot of folks these days are joining us on any device that has a microphone and um, a web browser. So you can do that and join us at intotomorrow.com. Click on the button that says 
Ask Dave. And you can do all those things 24-7 anytime at your convenience. And then tune into the next program and hear your question, your comment, your help for another listener, whatever the case. Following its groundbreaking announcement of the first scientifically authenticated documentation of unidentified aerial phenomenon known as UAP back in 2020, the Genesis 2 Project, or G2P, has continued their empirical investigations of UAP recordings. Here to discuss the expanding investigations, we're joined by Dr. J.C. Van Velkenberg, Ph.D., former Los Alamos National Lab biophysicist physicist and Deborah LaPravat, a former FBI special agent and forensic scientist. So hello to uh, Dr. JC and Deborah. How are you? We're great. Glad to have you with us as we fly into tomorrow, perhaps, with some unidentified aerial phenomenon. Uh, First of all, can you guys describe how you went about moving this whole perception of UAP from, I guess, what folks would think the realm of fanciful ponderings, if you will, to a serious scientific subject? Certainly. Um, When we started UAP, really, we noticed that there was just such a mass of accumulating um, documentation coming from around the world. And really, we thought, you know, this this has really moved at this point from are there UAP out there to yes, there are, but what are they? You know, and we thought, well, how do we how do we turn this into a a true scientific field of study, something that is seriously considered from a scientific standpoint to get answers from the things that we're seeing that we just don't know anything about. Mm-hmm. And our biggest challenge, you know, was um, first was the word UFO, which is really mired in entertainment and science fiction and has some negative connotations with it. And, you know, really embracing the word UAP, which is unidentified aerial phenomena. And that's a really larger, um, it's a larger definition. It's not just an object, but it's trajectory. It's how things move. It's where they are. And, And then we just thought, you know, how do we do this? How do we make it a serious scientific topic? And it's bringing in scientists and under non-disclosure agreements so that the focus is on the data and the scientific approach. Is that how we've gone from UFO to UAP? Is that part of that explanation as well? I guess Deborah's going to handle that one. <laughs> yeah, you know, it really is because uh, UAP encompasses so much more than the flying saucers that are associated with a UFO. I mean, there are mysterious lights in the sky. There are uh, orbs, even during the daylight hours, of light that appear to be moving with trajectories that we don't quite understand. The ability to stop, hover, accelerate, and turn on a 90-degree angle. So, and with the the tens of thousands of images that G2P has collected over the last five years, uh, we see such a variety of body types. I mean, I guess you would say craft types if you're calling them aircraft. Mm -hmm. And so UAP is just a much better term to bring it into the next decade or two and into a more scientific approach. So does that mean UFO is not being used anymore? Or if it is, it's more that, uh, as I said in the introduction, more the fanciful thing as opposed to documentation? I think anyone dealing with it uh, on a scientific level will continue to use UAP moving forward. Oh, 
Okay, kind of makes sense then. And what about the forensic analysis of the G2P's recorded images, for example? What does it actually consist of? And no doubt that's important to your findings and your continued studies. So when we first set this up, you know, as a real scientific field of study, what we wanted to do was we we looked at the documentation that we were getting of these things and we thought, well, what's what's the first step? You know, there's so much. How do you narrow it down to start studying it? And of course, as you're looking at these images, people can say, oh, that's could that be a bird? Could that be a drone? Could that be a lens flare? And so really what you have to do when you have this mass of data is start narrowing it down. And so what we did is we thought we would be using a digital forensics analyst. You know, we use the top in the nation. Um, the name is Primo Forensics. And they work in court cases to verify information that's given to the U.S. court system in legal cases. And they went through and they have to have the actual device that, that the image was taken on to go through and to first off say there was no data manipulation on the image. So there's no Photoshopping. There's no enhancement, there's not anything. On top of it, they go through the device and they'll tell you, this is this is not a lens flare. This is not an artifact from the technology of the device that this image was captured on. And surprisingly, we've had very, very few that, that has been, you know, anything except unexplained. Almost everything we've sent them is fully unexplained. It is not a lens flare. It is not an artifact. It's just something that we don't know what it is. And at that point, you can take that actual verified vetted data and then start a scientific analysis of the object that's being viewed in that piece of data. So then did the release of these validated images kind of help promote what you guys are working on? Did it fine tune your overall strategy? Well, yeah, you know, in the first case, it eliminates uh, those people that would dismiss the photographs as Photoshop altered or anything. Mm. So right there, it bumps it up to the next level. And then the approach that G2P has taken has attracted physicists, engineers, other people that deal with digital security and digital um, analysis. So I think it's helped us bring together a very strong team of scientists to approach the study of unidentified aerial phenomenon from multiple directions. Gotcha. I understand in your studies, uh, and for that matter, studies dating back to prehistoric times, the southwest region of the U.S. has a long-standing history with UAP. I wonder, does that mean that there are more trailer parks there, or uh, did any of that play a role in your investigation? Well, certainly this region in northern New Mexico has such a long history of just innate interest in things that are unexplained, and there's there's folklore, there's sightings, that it's, it's just known for this worldwide. And when we started accumulating data, we just had so much data coming from this region. Wow. It was daily sightings, nighttime, daytime, all seasons, 24 hours a day. It's just such a mass amount of information that's coming in. And with the frequency of the data and the voluminous data that was coming in, we really thought this would be a great place to start G2P and then to really focus on this hotspot region. And you're right, there is, there is a modern day history just in this northern New Mexico region of sightings and unexplained things, but also the prehistoric 
um, you know, recordings here. There are petroglyphs throughout this region that look almost identical to the things that we're capturing today. Really? Wow. And, and I'm assuming then that these regular, as you say, almost daily uh, reports are coming from a variety of people. They're not the same dozen people that are saying, oh, I saw something again. Uh, I, I mean, it's enough of a variety of folks to really make you pay close attention. Exactly. I mean, one of the first things we did as as uh, JC and I approach any scientific analysis is that you can't have one subset of data. So we have invited other people, other scientists out to this region and we say, collect your own data independently, hmm. right? Bring in, your, bring in your best cameras, bring in your best equipment, and then you collect fresh data that is not uh, has not been uh, captured by G2P employees. And so that we have additional data sets that have been independently collected by different scientists from different parts of the United States. And, uh, you know, that adds to the validity and authenticity of the data we're collecting. No doubt this is incredibly fascinating. So what's next for G2P? What can we anticipate hearing from and hopefully talking to you guys again soon? Wonderful. Well, we have we have such a massive data collection at this point. And one thing that we started doing was looking at other hotspots around the world because we have documentation from, from people who collaborate with G2P from other parts of the world and also throughout the United States. And so we started looking at really where the hotspots of data were coming from. And one of them jumped out at us immediately that we have, we have a significant amount of documentation already. It is known um, as a region that is a hotspot and it's similar to New Mexico in the way that there's stuff that's happening all the time and there's a history there and that's in Cusco, Peru. That's in the Andes Mountains. And because we already had this set of information, we thought, you know, now that we've established a bona fide serious scientific study of UAP, we would like to expand this to other regions of the US, other regions of the world. Where's the next best place to implement this idea? And we decided on Cusco, Peru, which we're going to be working on our data from there in this next year. Well, by all means, keep us informed, and I'll be delighted to share that with our audience as well. Uh, Dr. J.C. Velkenberg, Ph.D. from formerly the Los Alamos National Lab and also former FBI Special Agent and Forensic Scientist Deborah LaPravat. Thank you so much for joining us into tomorrow, and we'll see what we can learn as we progress. Thank you for having us. It's our pleasure. Be sure to hit us up at intotomorrow.com. Sign up for our free podcasts while you're there as well. I'm Dave Graveline. Stay tuned as we continue bringing you Into Tomorrow right here on the Advanced Media Network. In today's connected world, high-speed internet is a necessity. Luckily, where you live no longer means missing out on a fast connection. Do what we did and get HughesNet, America's number one choice for satellite internet. HughesNet Gen 5 delivers the speed you need where you live. Own a business? HughesNet has plans for you too. Text RADIO to 35000 for offers in your area. That's RADIO to 35000. HughesNet, high-speed satellite internet available where you live and work. How would you like to feel your best every day? 
For over 40 years, Human Touch has designed high-performance massage chairs, ergonomic zero-gravity recliners, and targeted massage products that not only rejuvenate the mind and body, but have helped owners perform, sleep, and live better. Sitting in a Human Touch massage chair is the perfect way to unwind, relieve pain, or recover from a hard workout. And it's all from the comfort of your own home 24-7. Anytime you need to relax sore muscles, de-stress, or even just take a moment for yourself. Human Touch works with medical practitioners, world-class athletes, and award-winning design teams to provide therapeutic benefits daily, but also offer an aesthetic appeal that captivates the eye and enhances any space. Ready to learn more? Visit humantouch.com. Human Touch. Your best every day. Join us anytime here on Into Tomorrow. This happens to be for the weekend of May 12th. Happy Mom's Day to all the moms. But call us whenever you have a question, a comment, help for another listener. You want to share some tech rage, whatever the case. We want to hear from you so that will then have us send you prizes. It's very easy. The number to call, 800-899-INTO. That's 800-899-4686. Or you can use the Into Tomorrow app or the Ask Dave microphone at intotomorrow.com. This portion of Into Tomorrow is brought to you in part by HughesNet. Enjoy more of everything the internet has to offer. Text RADIO to 35000 for more info. Again, text the word RADIO to 35000. The first citywide fire alarm system goes into operation. Nikola Tesla describes his AC power system, and NASA rehearses for the moon landing. It all happened this week in tech history. Jump aboard the time machine. You've got mail. Time to head into yesterday with This Week in Tech History. Yesterday, yesterday, yesterday. yesterday. Here's Chris. History, history. This week in 1857, William Channing and Moses Farmer received a patent for a fire alarm telegraph. In this time before telephones, the purpose of the system was to be able to alert firefighters quickly in the event of a fire. Boxes were installed throughout Boston, the first city to adopt the system. In the event of a fire, a box was opened and a crank was turned, sending a signal to a central station, which would alert the authorities. In 1877, this week, Edwin Holmes of Boston, Massachusetts, set up the first network of burglar alarms that were monitored by a central station in New York City. He then sent his son to copy that system in Boston. Someone's at your door. His son realized that they could use existing phone cables to carry the signals instead of laying their own. This allowed the network to quickly grow to more than 700 burglar alarms. Affirmative. A system that gave rise to the $28 billion industry we know today. This week in 1888, Nikola Tesla delivered a lecture describing the equipment which will allow efficient generation and use of alternating currents to transmit electric power over long distances. Back in the late 1880s, the war of the currents raged on, with Tesla teaming up with George Westinghouse with their AC current, taking on his former employer, Thomas Edison, who was touting his DC, or direct current standard. During this time, Edison even went so far as filming the electrocution of Topsy the Elephant to show the dangers of his rival's alternating current. He actually electrocuted an elephant. And filmed it. You will be assimilated. Resistance is futile. Wow. You know, it's not something you, you, know, you want to see, but uh, it's, it's out there on YouTube if you want to, you know, 
Google Topsy. No, thanks. And this week in 1969, Apollo 10 was launched. Apollo 10 was essentially a dress rehearsal for the first moon landing, <laughs> which would take place a couple months later. The mission tested all the components and procedures just short of actually landing. Most illogical. During its return from the moon, Apollo 10 set a new record for the highest speed attained by a crewed vehicle at 24,791 miles per hour. Oh, yeah. That's our look back at This Week in Tech History. And you can get more information about all kinds of cool tech when you visit us at intotomorrow.com. David, who used the Ask Dave button at intotomorrow.com but didn't tell us where he's calling from or how he listens, please do that when you use the Ask Dave button, joins us. Hey, Dave. Hey, Dave and team. How's it going? Had a question regarding streaming devices. Uh, Wondering if you can tell us what the best options are these days to stream content from our PCs to our TVs. Uh, I know Chromecast is one of the standbys, but are there any others that have advantages um, that you might recommend? That's a great question, Dave. I appreciate that. The best option by far, if it's possible, is still a wired connection. A wired connection, of course, will free you from the random limitations that all other systems will have. Now, if you're looking for wireless only... Chromecast and Miracast are the two big players. Chromecast, of course, is basically Google's take on Miracast. It works nicely, it's reliable, but you're, of course, tied into Google's personal data-hungry ecosystem. Yeah, Miracast is more open and doesn't have that issue, but high-quality Miracast dongles are harder to find and more expensive, so your odds of having issues go up. You can also find DLNA devices, but keep in mind that the DLNA alliance was disbanded in 2017, so you're far more likely to run into issues in the future since new DLNA devices are still being certified by SpireSpark, but the big players that led the alliance, like Intel, Samsung, Panasonic, LG, and Sony, have all moved on to other technologies. Yeah, a lot of them, of course, just built in to a lot of TVs these days. So, uh, great question, David. I hope we help address it uh, properly for you. Let us know which direction you are going to go because it'll certainly help other listeners as well. Doris in Miami, Florida, listens to the free Into Tomorrow podcast. Hey there. Hi, Dave. How do you get emojis on your Outlook email account? Oh, it's actually a good question because I use them all the time. I think people think I use them too much. Oh, well, get over it. Uh, But I love it. Doris, they'll come from the device itself rather than from Outlook. For example, if you're using Windows, the Windows key plus the period button will oftentimes bring them up. On Mac OS, you can find them in the emojis and symbols dialog, and you can bring that up from the menu bar or by pressing function plus shift plus E. And on Android and iOS, you'll be able to select them from the on-screen keyboard. Um, now, and I do know that there's a plug-in for Outlook that, that adds emojis. But this way, if you can do it with that Windows key, you know, and period key, it's going to be a lot easier. Yeah, but if she doesn't have Windows 10 or 11, that may not work. Right. So you can search the add-in, or search for the add-ins in Outlook, and you can find an emoji inserter thing. Add-on. Yeah, add-on. Yeah, okay. that. So search <laughs> add-ons emoji. And then you can do that. I think that's what I ended up doing because I have it as a little emoji on top of my menu screen. Jerry in Mineola, Texas, listens on KTBB, their AM and FM. Hey, Jerry. I was born in 1942. I never learned to use the Internet or learned much about it. I've composed the words and music to a number of songs. My question is, are, are there any ways on the Internet to market them without CDs, and if I were to market a CD on the internet, 
what would be the best way to do that? Well, Jerry, first of all, you have to be on the Internet then. <laughs> so you kind of get caught up a little bit. You can self-publish to the main media platforms like Apple Music and Spotify by way of a distributor. There are plenty of those like Believe Digital, CD Baby, uh, Fuga, Idol, Ingroves, uh, and countless others for that matter. Once you submit to the distributor, you'll be able to have them push it to different platforms. Now, you're likely to going to make next to no money. Even bigger names in music make next to no money from music sales and streams these days and largely survive off of touring. Yeah, in fact, a while back, musician David Crosby shared that Apple Music was paying him a little over seven-tenths of a cent per stream. Wow. Which <laughs> was far better than Spotify's four-tenths of a cent. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Uh, Nils Lofgren, guitarist for Bruce Springsteen's E Street Band, published a 2019 royalty check for the whole year in the amount of $7.01. Woohoo! Uh, he would have been able to use it to buy a Big Mac burger, not the full meal, uh, in most U.S. states, <laughs> but not in Massachusetts. <laughs> oh, gee. Um, now, Spotify is still planning to lower royalty payments over time. So unless you expect to get millions of plays, publishing your music is likely not worth the effort. Uh, you might as well give it away and skip the leech of a middleman. Yeah, well, that's true, but instead of just giving it away, Maybe you can make four or five tenths of a cent with every stream. Yeah. Good luck. Let us know, Jerry, and good luck with your music and your rewritings and that sort of thing, and hopefully it works out well for you. Meantime, visit us at intotomorrow.com. Do you own a business? What do your customers hear when they call? Every business is unique, and Advanced Productions can help you create custom voicemail greetings or an on-hold production. Call us today at 888-899-8511. For over 40 years, we've been providing affordable audio and video services to businesses around the world. Let us create a custom holiday on-hold message for your business for less than $200. Call us today at 888-899-8511. Or visit onholdaudio.net. Finding the right experts to help you grow your business is always a challenge. Chameleon Collective is a hybrid marketing service and consulting firm that is hyper-focused on growing businesses, from digital marketing to optimizing your sales efforts. Our experts drive results. Our work and track history, ranging from innovative startups to Fortune 500 companies, speaks for itself. Learn more by visiting chameleoncollective.com or call us at 1-800-914-0245 today. Happy Mother's Day weekend to all the moms out there. Welcome back Into Tomorrow. I'm Dave Graveline. I'm Chris Graveline. This portion of Into Tomorrow is brought to you by the Dexcom G7 Continuous Glucose Monitoring System, changing the game for people living with all types of diabetes. Visit Dexcom.com. That's D-E-X-C-O-M.com. Patrick in Tyler, Texas. Welcome Into Tomorrow. Living in Texas, I drive a lot for my work. And it seems like every small town has their radar trap and police set up catching speeders. I was wondering if you could go over the latest radar guns that the police use and how they work and also the best radar detectors out on the market and uh, pricing for them. Thanks a lot, Dave. 
Well, it's our pleasure, Patrick. Glad to help. And especially as a former police officer, I, I want to try to help you out because radar guns pretty much work the same way they always have. They send out a beam of radio frequency energy and rely on the Doppler effect to figure out the speed of the car, reflecting the beam of energy back relative to the speed of the gun. Now, if the radar gun is stationary, there's nothing to account for. If the police car is moving, the system has to account for the speed of the police car. It's really pretty old, pretty simple technology overall. As far as best detectors go, well, that's relative these days, but there are many capable detectors available. Yeah, like the Valentine 1 Gen 2 will tell you that there's a radar around and will try to locate it for you and tell you if it's coming from behind, ahead, or from the side. Now, that can be helpful to figure out if the signal it's picking up is anything to worry about or if it's just the automatic doors from a store by the side of the road. Yeah. Uh, that Valentine 1 retails for about 500 bucks. Yeah. Now, before I forget, laser is a whole other scenario. We're yeah. talking radar at this point. But if you've been hit by laser, you've been ticketed. Yeah, just, just pull over. <laughs> yeah, find it, your way to the side of the it road. Might as well, because you, <laughs> they got you. Now, the Escort 360C, which I have in my own car and have been playing with, is more expensive at $800. But besides more user-friendly features, like a novice mode with simple advice like slow down, it tries to defeat radar detector detectors, if you will, that aim to make it harder for your detector to be able to tell your speed is being measured until it's too late and potentially fine you. Now, if you're in an area where radar detectors are illegal, use some caution there and don't be using it. Now, for a totally different option, you can try Waze. This is a free app in which users can report speed traps and other road hazards. I actually use this app on almost a daily basis. Um, it won't cost you anything, and it might save you some money, but if you're the first person to encounter a speed trap, it won't do anything to warn you about it. That's true. If you're the first, you're in trouble. Yep. But now you can then warn everybody else. Correct. And as, in terms of a speed trap, if they're running it for a while, it'll help a lot of folks. Yeah. If you're on a turnpike or interstate or something where a state trooper's moving and writing speeding tickets, the chances are that area and a warning isn't going to help you much. Yeah, but like I said, I use Waze almost every day. Whenever I'm on the highway, if I hear police reported ahead, it just it always makes me just look down at my speedometer. Oh, good. Make sure I'm not going a little too fast. As kind of a reminder. <laughs> yeah. So, Patrick, let us know what you end up going with. Again, I highly recommend the Escort personally, but it's kind of costly. But then again, it's cheaper than a ticket and points and all that stuff. So you might want to consider that. Greg in Sydney, Montana, listens to the free Into Tomorrow podcast. There's a P. Yep, there you go. <laughs> Hello, Dave and gang. Hey. I have an older iPad Air, and I usually use it daily for various tasks, such as surfing the web, checking email, watching YouTube videos, and listening to podcasts as well. Since Apple doesn't find the need to send out software updates for the older Apple devices anymore, it's apparent to me now that I will have to purchase a newer iPad. So my first question is, is it really worth it for me to trade in my old iPad towards the purchase of a new one? Or would I be better off keeping it? I can't decide on whether I should get the new iPad Air or the iPad Pro. What are the big differences that stand out between the two of them? If I decide to get the iPad Pro, which size should I get? Also, my old iPad was Wi-Fi capable, but it did not have cellular service. I recently switched over to T-Mobile and I've been very happy with the service in my area so far. With the expansion of 5G in most areas now, should I get my new iPad with cellular capability? And if I do, 
does it have to be activated on the device right away, or can I choose not to activate the cellular service on it if I want to? Thanks for taking my call, Dave. Keep up the good work, guys. It's our pleasure, and thank you for participating, Greg. Apple is still updating iPads from 2014, believe it or not. That makes us wonder how old yours is that it's not getting updates. It's a miracle that it's still running in 2022 if it's old enough to not be getting updates. For context, Google supports their devices for only about three years. Now, if you're not getting security updates and you're doing anything that relies on private information, like maybe your banking, email, paying bills, uh, perhaps online shopping, you should replace it, absolutely, because any vulnerabilities will not be patched. Yeah, now whether the current one is worth trading in or not will depend on the model. Some will get you a decent discount, others won't. Uh, considering the device is obsolete, you probably shouldn't expect more than about $50 towards uh, the new one. But what else are you going to do with it anyway? So you might as well get the discount. Uh, the iPad Pro comes with more storage and offers more RAM than the Air, but they're not very different otherwise. The new Pro can also be bought in a 13-inch model, but unless you're doing work on your iPad that requires more RAM or a bigger screen, then it's probably not worth the extra money. Uh, if you do end up getting the Pro and want to future-proof yourself, the 13-inch model is current. The 11-inch uh, model is two generations behind that, which probably means it's not going to be around much longer and will likely be abandoned in favor of the, of the one with the larger screen. Yeah. Now, whether or not you go with a cellular connection, as you asked about, depends on your use. It will cost you more, of course, and there will be a small monthly cost from T-Mobile as well. And iPads can connect to a phone's hotspot anyway. So unless you regularly use it outside, for example, if you work in the field, then it's probably not worth it. But it is completely down to your use case and what you need from your tablet. It does make sense for some people, but most only need Wi-Fi. Yeah, if you do go with the cellular connection, it doesn't have to be set up right away, or ever for that matter. Uh, you could use it as a Wi-Fi only device, but you'll still pay a premium for it when you buy it. Yeah. Greg, let us know, though. Hopefully we've got some good input there for you. Let us know what you end up with. It will help other listeners as well if you can follow up with us. And we wish you well. And um, maybe you might be better off keeping the old one and donating it or giving it to someone else in the family as long as it'll still function and you get the advantages of the new one. Let us know. And meantime, check us all out at intotomorrow.com. Bringing you the latest in consumer electronics and technology, this has been Into Tomorrow with Dave Graveline. To participate with Dave and his tech geniuses and win prizes anytime, 24-7, use our free Into Tomorrow app available in your app store or call 1-800-899-INTO. That's 1-800-899-4686. Be sure to visit our website anytime to read our show notes and watch our ITTV videos at intotomorrow.com. And join us next week as we bring you further Into Tomorrow. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affect your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today 
at Dexcom.com. That's D-E-X-C-O-M.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit www.dexcom.com compatibility. 